you guys want to turn to Mark chapter 5, that's where uh, we left off last week. And Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Um, as you guys are turning there, I'll go ahead and uh, I'll just start. Um, it's Jairus is showing his faith here in, in Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Uh, I'll just start reading. It's, uh, look at verse 21. It says, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed and she will live. Wow, talk about faith right here. Jairus was one of the top rulers, and and he wasn't afraid, you know, a a top ruler of the synagogue even. These are the guys who are coming against Jesus, and, uh, you know, they're, they're ridiculing him, and they're looking for a fault in him, and here's one of their own, who comes to him, and he's not ashamed to be ridiculed for the name of Christ in his life. And I think that's so great. Jairus means whom God has enlightened. And he is submitting his will and his authority to Jesus' will for his daughter's sake here. And he was confident uh, that Jesus would heal her. And, and I, I just questioned as I was reading through here, my own heart, and I, I think we should all question our own hearts, is are we confident in our own prayer life, you know, or are we praying with doubt in our hearts? Are we asking the Lord, thinking in our minds, oh, God, you, I know you can't do this, but I'm just going to say it anyways, you know, but are we praying with that confidence in our heart? Are we praying by faith? And let's look at verse 24. It says, so Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. And uh, so this man, Jairus, man, He's, he's patient, right? Uh, there's, there's people holding up Jesus and, you know, from being quick to get to his daughter and he's seeing all these people. If that was my daughter, I'd be kicking and punching and yelling and screaming and saying, get out of the way. <laughs> like John the Baptist, make way. <laughs> and, and, and uh, you know, Jesus is coming. He's got to go heal my daughter. Stop, you know, holding him up. Everybody's like, oh, Jesus, oh, you know, and they want to touch him. They want to talk to him. But Jesus, he wasn't in a hurry, right? And, and his timing is perfect. And that's the thing. Uh, jump down to verse 35. It says, In verse 35, it says, While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? And in fact, let's just keep reading. It says, As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult uh, and those who wept and wailed loudly. So these are hired mourners, right? They're not just crying like, <laughs> right? They're, they're wailing. Like, you guys want me to wail really loud? You want to hear what wailing sounds like? All right. <laughs> you can YouTube that. 
Um, but when, so they're wailing loudly in verse 39. And when he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? And the child is not dead, but sleeping. And they, they speaking of those in verse 38, the, the hired mourners, they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was laying. And so he had to literally push these people out of the way before he can even do anything here. In verse 41, then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age. And they, that's these, those who ridiculed in verse 40, were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly, no one should know it, and said that something should be given her to eat. So it was not Jesus' time. He came to conquer sin and death, right? They wanted to make him king right away. Like, wow, he can raise the dead. And he didn't come to, you know, be king. And, and, and uh, that's what the Jews believed, right? That he was going to conquer the Romans and, and all that. But he came because um, uh, the Jews, they were ready, basically, to start an uprising. They were ready to, you know, establish the king there and get him going. Uh, but it's interesting, Abraham had faith as well. You guys remember in Genesis, uh, is it 22, where, you know, he was, he had faith that God would raise his son from the, the, the dead. If he, you know, he was there on the altar and he said, you know, let's sacrifice him, let's take him. He knew that God's promises were going to come to pass no matter what. And, and uh, just very interesting. But let's look back at the faith of this woman. Go back to verse 25 to 27. Uh, and notice in verse 25, it says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, keep that number in mind, and had suffered many things from many physicians, and she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garments. So notice she had heard about Jesus. You know, the word of God, when we hear the word, that's where our faith is increased, right? Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. And notice the contrast, by the way, from Jairus and this woman. Uh, he's very wealthy. She's poor. And he's healthy, but she's not, obviously, right? And, and he's, in the, he's the synagogue ruler, so he can go into uh, the synagogue there. She's not even allowed in the synagogue. She's unclean, Leviticus chapter 15, verse 19. Um, she was sick for 12 years, and Jairus had a daughter whose age was 12 years old. Very interesting. Um, and they both had something in common. They both put their faith... Because remember, each one, the Bible says, all of us have been given a measure of faith, right? So the idea is, where are you putting your faith? It's in the object in which we put our faith. And they both chose to put their faith in Christ Jesus. And very interesting. Look, look at verse 28. It says, where she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And 
So she shows her faith by coming to Jesus, right? She was at the end of her rope. She was just broken. And, and I think, by the way, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to see believers when they're broken, right? And there's, there's people in the office, and they just look at them. They're like, oh, and I'm, I'm holding back on smiling because it's, it's not like it's an evil thing. It's just like, it's beautiful to me. I'm like, wow. You know, because I'm looking ahead. If they're going to trust in the Lord, they're going to stick to the word of God. They're going to stick to seeking the Lord. Just the beautiful work that God can do and does do through them. And then when they look back at that moment that they're in, the, you know, they're just sitting there, they just laugh about it. And it's like, wow, God is so good. How You can't help but to glorify God. Right and looking at the works that he can do in and through your life, so it's it's a beautiful thing that when we're broken, because you know um, when we're at the end of our world, right, with the end of our rope, is really when we're at the beginning of his and and the beginning stage of what God wants to do, because he can't do anything until you're at the end of yourself, right? It's not about you, and when you come to the realization that it's not about you, uh, life is a lot better with Christ. Everything just starts to be more clear and high definition, and, and you begin to see his word, and it comes alive, right, in 3D, and it's like, wow. But it's, it's because you gave up, and, and that's when God can use you and do a work, because he delights in those who are, they, well, they humble themselves, right? Those who have a broken heart and a contrite heart. So uh, I encourage you guys, stop, uh, you know, you know what I'm saying. Just stop being, you know, I can't just say that. I wish I could. Just keep running to Jesus, right? <laughs> that's the best thing we can do. And that's what this, this woman does right here. Look at verse 29. It says, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And so Jesus is willing to cleanse each and every one of us as well. He's still in the business of bringing healing, whether it be you know physical, spiritual, emotional, you name it. He's still there and he still heals us. And I think that's so neat. Look at verse 30. It says, And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her. Notice he didn't even bother talking back to them, right? He's like, you guys, <laughs> right? Like, seriously. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. So he looked exactly at her. He knew who, who touched her. He gave her opportunity to, to confess it here. But the woman, verse 33, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, uh, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So she told him the whole truth, right? She didn't hold anything back. And, and uh, you know, I think that's something that we do sometimes in prayer. We, we start off really well by faith. And we're talking to the Lord. And we're asking the Lord all these great things. And then we hold back and and we shouldn't we should just dive in and, and pour out your heart to the Lord it's a good thing uh, to give the Lord everything right be honest be truthful and whatever it is you're seeking the Lord on well let's look at chapter six 
Uh, here's the difficulty in believing in Jesus in verses 1 through 6. Uh, but notice in verse 1, the departure of Jesus. Uh, look at verse 1. Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his, dis- his disciples followed him. So after being in Capernaum, for one year, they go to Nazareth, and Capernaum, by the way, was considered the place of the Gentiles, and so it's the northern region of, uh, of Galilee up there. So uh, he left after one year, since not one of them chose to believe in him. After all the miracles, after all the things that he was doing and cl- cleansing out you know, uh, the unclean spirits and whatnot, they still chose, look at Matthew eleven twenty three up here. It says, And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. So they rejected Jesus. And finally, he left. And, and I'm reminded of the word of God that, you know, um, he won't strive with us forever. He won't strive with us forever. And that's a scary thing to, to even say. That, you know, he continues over and over and over and over and over, continually, you know, sets himself out there for people to give their lives to him. And yet their pride holds them back and holds them back. And yet he still gives them chance after chance after chance. But finally they say, no. And he's a gentleman, right? He's like, you know what? Okay. There will come a time where he just says enough is enough for that person specifically. And it's a scary thing. Um, Look at verse 2. Here's the difficulty that's brought about by Jesus. In verse 2 it says, And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things, and what wisdom is this that is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands. Um, so they didn't understand how Jesus could have this type of wisdom. I mean, he's a carpenter, right? That's what they say. And, and this wisdom is godly wisdom, by the way. It's not the worldly wisdom. There's two wisdoms in this world. So when you're praying, ask for the godly wisdom, right? Uh, in James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So we just need to ask for it. Um, And they not only could not understand this wisdom, his wisdom, right? But they also couldn't understand his works, which is interesting. Uh, In John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus, he told Philip, he says, Do you not believe that I am the Father I am in the Father, and the Father in me. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. So speaking of the works, right? Believe on him. Um, Jesus tells us concerning his works in John 14, verse 12. uh, He says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do... He will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. So we have the Holy Spirit in us, working in and through our lives, right? Um, that we might 
present the gospel to the world, basically. That's the, the message. That's the, the work that God wants to do in and through us for the sake of the world, right? Redeem, that's his will. That none should perish, but all should come to repentance, right? That all should come to the Lord. Um, let's look at verse 3. Here's the disrespect for Jesus, it says, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simeon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. So yes, by the way, Mary had sons and daughters after she had Jesus. And notice they couldn't reject Jesus by um, his wisdom. They couldn't reject him by the works that he was doing. They rejected him. They re- ridiculed him. Just because, uh, well, he's a carpenter, <laughs> right? I'm not going to believe him. Who believes a carpenter, right? It was, that, was, that was kind of the idea, what they're doing here. And I just think it's, it's people choose not to believe on Jesus for the lamest reasons. I've heard them all, and I look at them like, are you that dumb? Like, seriously, you're going to let your eternal life and it's going to be at stake because you say they're all hypocrites. Oh, they're hypocrites. So just because of that person in the church, you're not going to give your life to the Lord and be with him for all eternity? Seriously? You know, it's like, ah. But the Lord knows what he's doing. Look, look at verse 4. The declaration from Jesus here in verse 4. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country among his own relatives, and in his own house. So this is so true. Most family, they, they hold your past mistakes, don't they? And, and they choose not to listen to you when you're talking to them about the Bible. They're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And you're like, what is it? Why aren't you listening to me? And they're like, remember when you were 12 years old? And it's like, what? <laughs> you're holding that in the whole time? Are you kidding me? And, 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 and that's the thing, too. Um, I think it's good to keep in mind that because of what Jesus just said here in verse 4, I think we also need to be okay with not being the person that God is going to use in your own family, right? With your own brother, your own sister, whoever it may be. I think it's okay. Be okay with it because you're, you're not going to get that honor from them. It's just, it's just weird like that. Look, look at verse 5. Here's the denial by works by Jesus in verses 4 and 5. It says, well, we just read verse 4, uh, but verse 5, And now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And, and so the, they chose not to believe in, in him, so why should, you know, why should he continue to do works before them, you know? So let's look at the disciples that are sent out by Jesus in verses 7 through 11. And, and we, we see the calling and the sending of the 12 here in verse 7. Uh, it says, um, well, in verse 6, and, they mar- and he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went out. Uh, about the villages in a circuit teaching and in verse 7 and he called the 12 to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits so these disciples are students who followed Jesus for three and a half years and Jesus has called you and I by the way uh 
in a general sense, in, in, according to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, at the end there, uh, he's called us that we might proclaim the praises of him, right? He's called you uh, out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And so he's called us to study after his ways as well as a student. We're to listen. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says, you know, and, and, and uh, we're to take heed to what the Holy Spirit is saying because the Holy Spirit's dwelling within us. He is the greatest teacher of all teachers, right? We, we don't really need a teacher if we have Christ. And he will use, obviously, the pastors and the teachers, but he is the greatest teacher. He's the greatest shepherd. And he's, he's called us. Uh, and notice they, they went out two by two, by, by the way, in, in pairs of two. And I think it's more for encouragement, right, and for support. Because you feel like you're down and out, and you're like, oh, this guy's just not getting it. I'm out of here. But if you have another person there, they're encouraging you. In fact, they're praying when you're talking, and when you're they're talking, you're praying, and it, it's a teamwork, right? And and uh, but so there's that encouragement, there's that support, but I also think that it's there's also accountability, right? When you go in two by two, I think it's just a wise thing altogether. I don't want to be caught. Um, you know, I'm giving the gospel to this girl, she's in tears, but look at the place, look at the setting. Where am I giving a gospel? Oh, you're by yourself, you're at a hotel, right? People in the church are driving by, ooh, it doesn't look good at all, right? Yikes. But you set yourself up for accountability and you got, you got a partner there now, right? Nobody could blame you for anything no matter where you are. You, you can give the gospel freely. And I think it's just a good thing. Two by two is a, a wonderful thing. Um, but notice power was given them. So this power, uh, 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 it, it's, it means the privilege to exercise authority, jurisdiction, liberty, power, right and strength they had access to god's power to use this power from god in their lives and exercise it in you know uh, in authority jurisdiction liberty power right strength and they had power over the spiritual realm um, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them so they had power over not only the physical realm but the spiritual realm as well physical i say because what were they doing they were anointing people with oil and they were healing the sick right and and so it's it's interesting that god uses even us today and healing people it's not us we're simply the the vehicle or the the instrument if you will we're just being obedient to what, what god has called us to do he said you know put oil on them when they're sick Pray for them, you know, for the, for the elders of the church to do that. And by doing that doesn't mean that you're a, some kind of healer. It's just being obedient to what God's called you. And God does bring healing, just maybe not at the moment you want him to bring it, right? It might be at the moment you die. <laughs> well, he's not suffering with that anymore. <laughs> but he brought it, so hey. But um, So let's come to the commands for the 12. It's in verses 8 through 11. They had to trust the Lord completely right here. Look at verse 8. Um, it says, He commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals not and not to put on two tunics. 
Also he said to them, in whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you, when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Yikes. Let's just slow down right there. So they were, they were sent out with nothing, and I believe it was to see the goodness of the Lord in their life, right? And Chuck Smith says, you know, where God guides, God provides. I think that's so true. Uh, in my own life, I've, I've noticed it's been true, where God says, go over here. And I say, okay. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, everything, every bill that you have is just all of a sudden it's met right? He just meets the need or the the hunger or the clothing, whatever it may be. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19, Paul says to the church of Philippi, he says, and my God shall supply some of your need according to, right Bereans, right? What is that? All of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Good afternoon, everybody. Wake up. Okay, we're all here. Good job. They, so they had to be content practically as well. Notice in verse 10, um, you know, in, in whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you uh, depart to another city. And I think that's interesting because, you know, what if they, the first person who invited them into their house is a very poor person, you know, no air conditioning, no heating, no filtered water. And then you got a really, really wealthy person in a big mansion, you know, and got everything. And they're like, hey, I'll let you drive my car. You can have this clothing. You could do this. And this is your place right here. Uh, but God said, no, the first place you stay, you stay until you depart. Well, can I depart and come back? <laughs> no, you stay, right? So he wanted to teach them something there, to remain faithful and content, I think is the main thing here. So this is a life lesson for many, you know, to stay with what you have. Be okay with what you got. You know, Philippians 4.11, it says, you know, uh, Paul says, I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. And I challenge you to challenge yourself. Are you content in where you are? Are you, are you content? Have you learned, though? Paul said, I've learned to be content. It's something that can be learned. Have you allowed God to use you in the way of learning this contentment that God wants to use in your life? Um, I see a lot of people, oh, I didn't even check on the news. If but I see a lot of people going for the lottery, you know, and it's like, if only, you know, this magic number appears and yay, changed my life. Uh, were you that excited when you gave your life to the Lord, right? <laughs> Will you dance through the streets and yell at your coworkers, right? I'm rich, yeah. I mean, did you do that when you got saved? You know what I mean? It's just like, uh. anyways, sorry guys, I'm not trying to beat you up there, but um, Notice verse 11. Understand, people will not receive you, by the way. Um, in verse 11, there's going to be people that are they're just not going to listen at anything you say. And, you know, be okay with just moving on. There's some people that are just very, very tough. They're, they're struggling through a lot of things, but they don't want to hear the gospel. They're, they're very fierce, if you will. And, and God, you know, 
he has us in, in different places at different times and different seasons. And it's, it, it, God doesn't need to use you, right? He can use anybody he wants. And, and that's the cool thing about it. There's people that are in the, you know, they go to the mall and they're thinking nothing of it. They, they use the restroom and someone says, God bless you. And somehow they break down, fall apart, repent, and turn to the Lord. It's like, what in the world? <laughs> I had to pray for 20 years and, and my brother finally came to the Lord. Are you kidding me? And that's all it took? Well, God has been working in and through these people in different ways and he doesn't need to key you in on what he's doing with that person, right? So be okay with just backing off at those moments. The Lord will give you the discernment on those types of people. But obedience, let's look at the obedience of the disciples. Look at verse 12 and 13. So they went out and preached that people should repent. Notice the word repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So the disciples had a uh, uh, opportunity. Are they going to be obedient to the Lord or are they going to be disobedient to the Lord? And they made the wise decision to be obedient, right? They, They chose to listen to the instructions. They went out and they were fascinated with the work that God did through them. Um, so now we go from being sent out by the Lord to now living for the Lord in this next section here. So speaking about Jesus's cousin, by the way, John the Baptist, and uh, let's 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 see what Herod thought about Jesus. That's in verses fourteen and sixteen. Um, look at verse fourteen. It says, "Now King Herod heard him." For his name had become well known. And he said, John the Baptist is risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. Others said, it's Elijah. And others said, it's the prophet or like one of the prophets. But when Herod heard, he, uh, he said, this is John whom I beheaded. He has been raised from the dead, right? So he's afraid. Herod thought John, you know, came up from the grave and was taunting him, basically, right? John the Baptist was a, a great example for you and I today, by the way, because what did he do? When people came to him, he just pointed to Jesus and said, hey, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, what does it say? It says, um, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight a, a uh, in the desert, a highway for our God, right? That was the message of John the Baptist. And so just as John lived for the Lord, so too we ought to live our lives every single day and just pointing people to Jesus. We're called to point them to Jesus. And that's it. Let the Lord handle them, right? Good or bad, give them to Jesus. That's that's the goal, right? And so let's look at why Herod imprisoned John. Look at verse 17. For Herod himself had sent and laid hold of John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for he had married her. Uh, so Herod divorced his wife, uh, was looking at his brother Philip's wife, married Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, who is actually his niece. If you look more into it, it's pretty disgusting. Um, but... Um, Look at verse 18. It says, Because John had said to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Right? So John was not afraid to stand up to what was true, right? And and right. And I love how he didn't change the message that he had with 
whom he gave it to. You understand what I'm saying? It's easy to give the message, the gospel to, you know, anybody on the street you just don't know. But what about your parents? What about your boss? What about those who are in authority above you? What happens? Your flesh wants to just shy away, doesn't it? It wants to be silent for the sake of fear. And, and it's, a, it's an interesting thing. But John the Baptist, he didn't fear man. He feared God. And that's what, why he was willing and able to just speak forth the truth of God's word, even to the king, right? This guy was in charge of the whole region there. And so we need to be careful, by the way, not to dance around the issue of sin, right? If there is sin around us, you know, just let people know what it is. Don't be afraid to tell people, hey, you're you're not in good standing with the Lord, and I'll be glad to teach you through God's word and, and be glad to teach you what God says about that. But as we live for the Lord, we'll be empowered, you know, to stand up in opposition to whatever comes our way because it's God's grace, it's God's strength, it's God's power, right? Let's not forget what the disciples had. It wasn't anything about themselves, right? It was the power of God in them and upon them. So we need to just call out sin as sin. Amen, church? Amen. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Oh, I love that. Consider yourself, lest you also be tempted. So we need to be careful because, you know, we're, we're just as messed up as everybody else. Amen. <laughs> just me. Oh, man. <laughs> Humility, right? Um, yes, we're all sinners, right? By the way, if you found out that the sin that the person sitting next to you was in, you'd probably wouldn't be sitting where you're sitting. But every single person is a sinner. Isn't that crazy to think of? That's like, whoa! It's, it's, it's scary, but we're a hospital of sinners, right? That's what we're, we are. We're coming together, and we're being healed by the word of God. We're being healed by God's word just going forth, and it's powerful, Hebrews 4.12, right? And it restores. It cuts, yeah. It cuts to the heart. It hurts, right? Brings me tears all the time. <laughs> Lord, I'm sorry, <laughs> right? But he brings that restoration as well. Let's look at verse 19 and 20. Herod had protected John, and this is very interesting. Um, Therefore, Herodias held it against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. For Herod feared, that's the word seized with terror, John, knowing that he was a just and holy man, and he protected him. And when he heard uh, and when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. So uh, Herod had protected John, and that's why she couldn't harm him, right? She wanted to kill him. So when people point out sin in our lives, it's interesting because the natural tendency of our flesh is to lash out on the person who's telling you about your sin, right? It's not to repent of your sin and get it out of there. It's to, it's to just point out back to that person, well, you're a blah, 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 right? It's like, oh, come on, right? Um, but we, we got to be broken um, when our sin is pointed out, right? It's a beautiful thing when a brother or sister in the Lord comes to you and they're more mature than you and they, they say, hey, you know, I, I've noticed this 
and, and they bring it before you, that should just break you. Don't attack them, right? You attack yourself, right? Give it to the Lord. Why are you bothering carrying that load? Um, anyways, so notice in verse 20, though, Herod feared John. So he was seized with terror since John was a holy man. He was just. And, and John's position was in Christ, by the way, because he was holy. It wasn't he himself because he did something or became something or said something. It was because of the position of the cross, right? And that's for you and me today. The cross of what Jesus did on the cross that allows us positionally to stand holy, which means set apart. We're holy uh, in Christ Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 6.17, it says, Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. So that word, be separate. In other words, be holy, be separated, right? Um, look at verse 21 to 28. Here's Herod's problem here. 21. Then an opportune day came when Herod on his birthday gave a feast for his nobles and the high officers and the chief men of Galilee. And when Herodias, uh, Herodias' daughter herself, so she's by herself, came in and danced and pleased Herod, those who sat with him, the king said to the girl, ask me whatever you want and I will give it to you. He also swore to her, whatever you ask me, I will give to you uh, up to half of my kingdom. Funny how he says my kingdom because he's only in charge of a region. So some people, right? So So she went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. (laughs) Thanks, mom, right? Yikes, what kind of mom is that? Immediately she came in with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist. Oh, but wait, she adds to this on a platter. Wow, she's a sicko, right? And the king was exceedingly sorry, yet because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he did not want to refuse her. So immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter, and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. Yikes. (laughs) Here you go, mother. Um, And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took away his corpse and laid it in a tomb. Oh, man. So he was sorry, obviously, but not, not truly sorry, right? Because he didn't... It, it's just funny. Those who are living in the world, they're not, they're, they get sorry as well, right? But as believers, we're sorry before we get caught. In other words, we confess our sins to one another. We confess it to the Lord before we get caught, right? So that it's not a, a big shame. The world, um, it's interesting that they, they just straight out, you know, they're the world though. What do you expect, right? But, but the, that's the thing. That's, um, God, that, that's godly sorrow is when we confess our sins before we get caught and we don't wait until we get caught by somebody right humility is uh, in us will say you know what man I, I've been I admit I, I've been you know doing this certain sin and 
I don't want to do that anymore. Would you pray with me to give it to the Lord? Would you, I just, I gotta let it out. I gotta let somebody know, right? And be wise, right? Go to somebody who's more mature than you in the word and they're able to, with meekness and gentleness, you know, guide you into what God's word says, into his promises. It's a good thing. Um, But, um, so, let's just go to verse 29. So, so they, they heard of it, right, and they took him away, his corpse. Um, so John, by the way, he paid the price for following the Lord. And I think, I just want to pause there really quick, because if you want to choose to live for the Lord, you got to count the cost. Look what happened to John, right? He loved the Lord. He did everything in his, his own strength and everything in his will to hand it over to the Lord's will, right? And what does God do? And what can God do with you and I, right? We're going to probably end like John, and are you counting the cost? In Luke chapter 14, verse 28, it says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? There will always be a cost, by the way, in whichever choice you make, to choose God or not to choose God. Uh, in John 16, if you do choose God, these things I have spoken to you, he promises us, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So yes, you're going to go through it, but guess who you're with? You're with the overcomer of the world that gets to go through it, right? And it's a beautiful thing. Well, let's go to verse 30 and 34, and uh, it's talking about resting in the Lord. You know, uh, in verse 30 and 32, it's, you know, it's talking about returning to the Lord. Let's just read verse 30. It says, Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught, right? So they came back to the Lord, and he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while, for there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat, Wow, they didn't even have time to eat. So you guys remember in verses 12 and 13, that's when they were sent out and they were teaching and preaching the gospel to repent, right? And, and they, they were delivering on clean spirits. Uh, and, and I'm not sure how long it's been since verses 12 and 13 that they were sent out. I don't know, you know how long it's been, but it's been a long period of time, enough time for them to experience the goodness of the Lord. And... Um, but they return to Jesus, right? And you see, true rest is when, you know, you, you go to Jesus. Because it's not about a place, it's about a person, right? It's about Jesus. He is our rest. It's not about going up north to a cabin, right? To go hunting or fishing. Amen, church? Amen? amen. Yeah, that, was, that was a sad Amen. Uh, but it's it's in Jesus Christ, right? Um, and and Matthew chapter eleven verse twenty eight it says Jesus says, "Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest." And I love that. Notice this uh, rest, by the way, is for your souls. The Bible says in Matthew eleven twenty nine, Jesus says, "Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest." For your souls. 
For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So you can be going through anything, but when you return to the Lord, he grants you rest. He says, come, let's rest, right? Oh, are you guys with me? I need some rest. <laughs> Pray for my wife, by the way. Little Ezra keeps keeping her up and me up all night long, and she's like, you get him. Oh, no, you get him. Oh, and it's a, it's a battle. But um, look at verse 32. It says, so they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. And, and so they were obedient to the Lord and getting rest, even though God was doing huge things in their lives. They were able to say, I'll, I'll pause. You know, this, this is exciting. God's using me. But God said, rest, and I'm just going to rest. I'm not going to continue going on right? As if I, there's power of my own strength, right? And it's okay to stop and it's okay to just relax. Wait on the Lord. Spend time with the Lord. Do, you know, your devotional time, meaning, you know, read the Bible and talk to the Lord and, and uh, get alone with Jesus. I think that's a good thing to do. Look at verse 33. It says, but the multitude saw them departing and many knew him and ran there. They didn't walk. They are running, right? If you guys watch the movie here, they're lying. They actually ran to Jesus here. They were running on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. So Jesus, um, I just love this. I love, well, verse 33, right? That the disciples, they were excited to go on vacation, basically, right? Jesus said, hey, why don't you take a vacation? Why don't you guys go go somewhere, go take some rest, come back, right? After you rested, basically. And so they're excited, right? And they want to go on vacation. And then guess who arrives? 5,000 men, not including the women and children, right? This is crazy. They meet him there. And Jesus doesn't say, hey, hey, guys, sorry, we're, uh, office is closed, right? <laughs> sorry, we're on vacation right now. Now, we, we, we can't teach you anything right now. But no, Jesus didn't do that. The disciples didn't even do that. I'm surprised Peter didn't say, guys, sorry, <laughs> we're closed, right? Um, but notice in verse 33, um, you know, they ran out there to him, verse 34, and Jesus, when he came out, he saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. And so he began to teach them many things. Wow, I love that availability that God has. He truly is the good shepherd, right? Jesus didn't say, you know, sorry guys, but he said, come on over, right? Let's, let's talk, right? And, and look at, uh, um, I love Philippians chapter 2. Um, it's, it's, it's awesome because when you're resting in the Lord, it means you're relating to the Lord, right? You're resting in him, him himself, and you're, you're, you're flexible, right? Because, because of him, you're available onto him and you're not going to break, right? But it's better to put others above yourself than to put yourself above others, right? That's what Philippians 2, uh, verses 3 and 5, it says, So let, no, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So don't get upset 
when things don't go according to plan, right? And Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, it says uh, in the middle there, according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. He'll work it out. That's great. He's a better planner than you and I, right? Rest assured, he's going to have his will done no matter what. But so with that, get out of the way. Be okay with him, you know, changing things up. But let's look at relying on the Lord right here. Look at verse 35. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted this is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. They say, send them away, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. So this is the only miracle, by the way, that is recorded in the four Gospels, all four of them. Here, Jesus always, he went to the multitudes, but right here, the multitude comes to him, right? And, and the disciples are saying, send them away, Lord, and Jesus is like, guys, look at the opportunity. This hasn't happened before, right? Uh, these guys, they just didn't get it. And, and so you look at the, the command to the disciples in verse 37. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? So this wasn't an option, by the way. This was a command by Jesus. And after all that, they, they had nothing Right? When, when they were sent out, you guys remember that? When they got sent out, they had nothing. And yet they saw God use them to do mighty things. And right here, it's like they forgot that they don't need anything. And, and they'll be provided for. And here they're questioning God. It's like, guys, didn't you just learn that? But Jesus said all of this to them to test them. Right? They, were they going to rely on their own resources or were they going to rely on him and him alone to provide whatever it is for them, right? It's funny how um, some people work super, super hard for something and then there's, there's the other guy that just prays and he doesn't do anything and God gives him the exact same thing. And the hardworking guy's like, what? 10 years and I got this? And then you just, and then boom, and there it is. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it amazing when you just rest in the Lord and you just, you know, let him be your peace? Um, anyways, look at verse 38. It says, but he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they have found out, they said five, so five loaves of bread and two fish. So they say to Jesus, you know, should we go purchase eight months worth of, you know, this barley bread and and for food for everyone so what what they're they're telling god is you know what you're asking for us to do can't be done god <laughs> you guys hear that and, and, you know ask moses moses was it possible for god to do all those things uh duh right uh, obviously God could do whatever he wants to do. In Mark chapter 10, we'll get there later, in verse 27, Jesus said, but Jesus said, look look at them, and he, and he said, with men it is impossible, but with not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.18, he says, well, we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Right? So the crowd that was fed by the disciples, well, let's just look. Look at verse 38. It says, but he said to them, 
You know, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And they found out that they had five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. Uh, And then verse 40. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves uh, and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples and set uh, set before them the two fish he divided among them all. And so they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of fish. And now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. Uh, Philip, he had found a boy who had five uh, barley loaves of bread in the other uh, gospel account and two fish. And what a lesson for the disciples, right? They're looking physically you know, at the money, right? Oh, Lord, we don't have this much denarii. Uh. But they were not looking at the Lord spiritually. And by the way, I love how Jesus blessed the Lord before eating, right? And, and that's kind of my tradition. I love just thanking the Lord, blessing the Lord, not for the food all the time, right? <laughs> oh, Lord, thank you. But, but I just, I love blessing the Lord. Bless the Lord for who he is and what he's doing in your life. Give, you know, it's just a tradition in my life and it's a good thing to do. It's not like you're gonna go to hell or anything. Oh, they didn't pray. Wow, right? The Bible never said, you know, pray. But anyways, um, let's look at the comfort of the Lord here. Look at verse 45 um, uh, to 52. And, and if we admit it, we need God's comfort, right? In, in the storms that we all go through, we need the Lord's comfort. We need his rest. We need his peace uh, in our lives. Um, look at verse 45. It says, immediately he went, uh, he made his disciples get out into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Beth." Seda while he went, uh, while he sent the multitude away. Uh, and when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Uh, and now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Um, so this is interesting. So these people, they wanted to make Jesus king immediately, right? They're like, wow, he feeds us. Let's make him king. And so immediately he leaves. That's why he took off right away, right? Because they're like, wow, this is like the government giving us free food. This is great. Let's make him king, right? And uh, so Jesus came not for that, right? Not to deliver them from the Romans, but to deliver them from sin, death, and and hell, basically, and, and not from the bondage of Rome. So instead of getting away, Jesus shows us the example of praying in order to enter his rest, right? When, when we go through a difficult time, you know, prayer shouldn't be the last thing, by the way. Prayer should be the first thing. Have you guys noticed people say, well, I did everything I can. Let's just pray, right? <laughs> like it's the last, you know, alternative, seriously. Um, so verse 47, it says, now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them, notice he saw them, um, straining at rowing for the wind was against them now about the fourth watch of the night he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed by them and when they saw him walking on the sea they supposed it was a ghost and they cried out 
And so, but notice, by the way, his awareness. He knew, right, that this storm, this storm, by the way, is probably like six feet of waves crashing against them. They're thinking they're going to die. And when this, the storm is just raging um, in our lives, understand in, uh, verse 48, it brings comfort to me. He saw them. He saw them. He sees what we're going through, right? But he, he sees us trying to fight the storm in our own strength, in our own flesh. And I, I think, you know, I see him looking there at the disciples and they're like, keep going, keep trying. Oh, man, this is tired. Keep going. And, and not once does it say that they cried out to Jesus for help. Did you notice that? So I see him there and somehow he cooked some popcorn and he's just you know he's just watching them and he's waiting and and nothing's happening here but notice in verse 48 um so he's watching them right and they're they thinking he's a ghost in verse 49 verse 50 for they all saw him and they were troubled but immediately he talked with them and said to them be of good cheer it is i do not be afraid then he went up into the boat to them and the wind ceased and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled, for they had not understood what about, about the loaves because their heart was hardened. Now, Jesus came at about 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., right? That's the fourth watch. And they got into the boat in verse 47 uh, around 6 p.m., to 9 p.m. So do the math. So they were in the storm roughly around 6 to 12 hours. That's crazy, right? They're, they're in a storm. Six hours, probably 12 hours doing this. We got to survive. Let's keep rowing, right? They're straining in their own flesh and they're trying to row in their own and, and now they don't call out to the Lord. And sometimes God allows us to go through storms long, I mean, really long, right? We were like, Lord, this is like long, long. And, and thinking we'll never get out of this situation. But Jesus, his timing is perfect, right? He knows exactly what you can handle. He knows exactly what you can handle. And he'll give you the grace to go through it. And I, I'm reminded of the, of the clay and the potter, right? The clay is just there. It gets beat up for a little bit. And then it's like, ah, oh, it rests. And all of a sudden you start spinning, right? And you're like, what's going on? And then you get shaped and mold and you're like, oh, Oh, look at me. Then you stop spinning and you're like, oh, Lord, I love you. These are good times right now. And then all of a sudden, you start getting carried, right? You're like, oh, I knew you wanted to carry me, Lord. I just love life. I love being a Christian. It's just so wonderful. And all of a sudden, you're, you just feel like you're in a dark pit, right? And you're just, why is this so dark in here? And then all of a sudden, the fire comes on. <laughs> but what does he say in that moment? Just be still and know that I am God, right? Psalm 46.10. He just, it's a test. It's something that he's doing and he's creating it in you and I that's beautiful. And if you just allow him to do his work in and through you, that's worship right there. That's why I smile at broken people, by the way, because it's an act of worship. It's something that you can offer onto the Lord. If you're all full of pride and you're not broken, well, good luck on that, right? Um, but 
God will give you guys the grace, and he'll never bring you what you can't go through, right? He knows exactly what you can go through. But notice his words in verse 50, by the way, going backtracking a little bit. Jesus makes another I am statement, right? I am. There's no reason to be afraid. He is here with us. And notice the storm. It's blowing. It's crashing. It's going crazy. And he came not to calm the storm physically, but to calm the storm in their hearts more so, right? In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And Peter walked out by faith, by the way, between verses uh, 50 and 51, I think it was, and, and Jesus allowed him to come out, right? The other disciples didn't even bother. They were like, oh, what's going to happen, right? But Jesus got his eye, or Peter got his eyes off of Jesus, and what happened? He began to look at the storm around him, and where's the faith, right? And boom, he began to sink. And so notice his actions in verses 51 and 52. They received him into the boats and then they made it safely to their destination you see it's not until you truly receive Christ in your heart that you'll make it to that destination what God has begun he'll be he's faithful that's his name He'll be faithful until the very end to complete what he's begun in you. And so they struggled to find a reason for the miracle, by the way. That's why they were struggling and not calling out to him, because they had a hardened heart. They, 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 how can this be? How did he do that? Oh, I don't know. They, were, they didn't allow him to be Lord of Lords and King of Kings, right, of their lives. And so... Um, very, very interesting what God can do through us and, and the... You know, the healing of the Lord. There's all types of different types of people. Uh, by the way, th- this is a mixed multitude. Notice they came from everywhere. And, and uh, Jesus didn't reject them. He, he, he accepted them, right? Um, and I, I just can't wait until we get to heaven, until that word racism is gone. Amen? It's just going to be a beautiful time when you don't have to worry about all the junk of this world. It's just silliness. But Jesus has authority over every realm. Even to those who touch him were healed. And I think that's interesting. God, he's still in the business of healing today. Oh, oh let's, let's stand and uh, we'll call it a night, guys. Um, right? Am I going crazy? Is it 8 o'clock? 8 o'clock. Okay. All right. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness and just a reminder of, of your word and uh, just how faithful you are, Lord, to do a work in us. I pray that you would encourage us, Lord, that we would have a passion for serving you, Lord, a, a passion for just worshiping you and, and honoring you in our lives. Even when nothing's going on, Lord, that we would spend time with you. And when everything's going on, that we would just get alone, Lord, and spend time with you. I pray that you would be our rest, Lord, be our peace. I pray that we would just stop and just know, Lord, that you are the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. I pray you would continue to grant us the discernment that we need in the day that we live in, uh, knowing that it's the last days, Father, and these events that are happening all around us. uh, I pray that we wouldn't be terrified, Father. We wouldn't be afraid, uh, but that, if anything, we would lean wholly upon your word, Lord, and uh, and seek you out all the more. We love you and we thank you. And uh, we just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.